Hello there. Hey, what's up, you guys? This is April with the Four Richer Horror Podcast, and this week is going to be part three of four of I Dared My Best Friend to End My Life. So we can go ahead and jump right in to part five. I didn't go home. I was too stubborn. It was starting to get dark out as I went back to my car. Since it was parked at the bar, I decided to take a picture of that wall, then head home. Even if Xander didn't want me involved, someone had tried to kill me. I was involved now whether he liked it or not. I was inside the bar behind a group of 20 people. The gruff bartender now had another younger one helping out. Good. The place was filling up quickly. I settled over to the wall of pictures and looked around while I fished Xander's phone out of my pocket. When I pulled it out, it had another message. M4N513TH0 said, where's Xander? I got irritated. 2463573Z4B responds, who is this? I sent the message, then opened the camera app, pointing it at the wall and looked at a series of photos, hoping I'd be able to zoom in later and see every image clearly. Glancing around, I made sure no one was staring at the idiot taking pictures. No one was. Ordering a water, I sat in an empty table with two seats and began scrolling the pictures to make sure they were good enough. I zoomed in close and found the image that the bartender had shown us earlier. The faces were clear and recognizable in the picture. I recognized the guy from the bar and the asshole who tried to kill me. I hadn't even seen Sophie in real life, but her face was clear in the picture. There were still three out of the five unknowns. Five psychopaths, I muttered to myself. I spent some time looking at the other images on the wall. None of the five were appearing in any other photos. Then I came across one picture that startled me. David fucking King's face stared at me from the wall. My heart exploded in my chest and my palms started to sweat. I closed my eyes to take some deep breaths. Just a picture. David King's dead. When I was calm, I looked at the image again. He was grinning his usual charismatic smile, but had his arm around someone. I zoomed in on them. It was Sophie Atkinson. The confirmation was startling. David King had known Sophie Atkinson. Then Xander's phone pinged in my hands. The same person had sent an image. It was a picture of me in the bar, sitting at the table, phone in hand. They had taken it from an angle where you could see my face. Fuck! I could tell from the image that they had taken it from the front door of the bar. I looked around searching for any of the five faces, nothing. But the place was packed, and as a result, I was safe, right? I took deep breaths and tried to look as calm as possible. The picture was a threat meant to scare me. If I acted normal, it would throw them off. Ping, another message, where's Xander? I replied, I don't know. Don't know or don't care, both. Come meet me outside. Nope, fuck off. It'll be easier. What will? No response. The phone didn't ping for 10, 15, 30 minutes. The stalker had left. I only assumed it was one of the five, but we knew there were more. It could have been anyone. My water ran out and I had to piss, so so I passed through the bar to the bathroom. I looked around before I went in to be sure no one was following me. Everyone was sitting, talking, and enjoying their evening. I walked in and went to the urinal and started my business. A toilet in the stall flushed and someone walked towards the sink. I ignored them. Number one rule of the men's restroom, don't make eye contact. 
Something cold and sharp materialized on my throat. Hello, Clark. A woman's voice whispered in my ear. I swallowed, which flexed my neck into the blade. I quickly zipped up my pants. Told you it'd be easier, she said. I could hear her smile. You're insane, I said. There must be a hundred people outside. All I have to do is scream and you're caught. If you want to stay alive, you won't scream, she said. So, how's Xander? I already told you, I don't know where he is, I growled. My friends seem to disagree, she said. So I decided to ask you again when you're under a little pressure. The blade was pressed harder into my throat. I trained for this. I trained for the exact situation, knife to the throat facing a wall. I couldn't keep a smile off my face as I grabbed her wrist and ducked down to get behind her. Her elbow smashed into my face as I ducked and then she shoved me to the ground. I hit the tiles towards the bathroom stall. She laughed while I pulled myself backwards. I took a good look at her. She had black hair that was cut short and definitely wasn't one of the five from the picture. She was my same height and approximate age. She played with the knife in her hands while she watched me, trailing her fingernails across the flat surface. Definitely a psychopath. Fantastic. I scrambled to my feet as she brandished the knife in front of me. I took my arm of the sling, ready to fight. They told me you knew some self-defense, she taunted. You probably should have practiced more. I'll remember that the next time we meet, I said sarcastically. My eyes were desperately searching for a way out. She was between me and the door. Behind me was the single stall which contained nothing useful enough to be a weapon. She stepped forward and swung at me. I jumped back, pushing the stall door all the way open. The woman lunged for me and I swung the stall door in her face. She grunted and held her nose with one hand backing up. That's when the door behind the woman burst open. Xander goddamn motherfucking Jones charged into the bathroom, tackling the woman from behind. She slammed to the floor with a thud. The knife left her grasp and slid towards me. Holy shit, was all I could say as the woman started to slowly get to her hands and knees. Xander walked around her towards me. He didn't look me in the eye. Without a word, he snatched the knife off the floor. Using his free hand, he grabbed her by the shirt collar and dragged her into the stall. He held her head over the toilet and set the knife to her throat. Where's Sophie? he said evenly she was still dazed and took a moment to respond as if she spat last chance xander replied what are you gonna do kill me you wouldn't even make it out of the building you'll be dead anyway so it doesn't matter to you xander said then he pressed his knee into her back covering her mouth with his hand and stabbed her knife into her neck Jesus Christ, I hissed, backing away. Blood splattered on the wall and dripped into the toilet. Xander held her there as she struggled and bled out. When she stopped moving, he propped her up so she was limping on her knees, head in the toilet. I could only watch in horror. That'll buy us some time to get out of here, Xander said. He slipped the bloody knife into the pocket on the inside of his jacket. The bathroom thudded with music outside, but I could hear the slow drip of blood in toilet water. I didn't realize I was hyperventilating until Xander put his blood-free hand on my shoulder. I looked at him and saw dark rings under his eyes. His face was hardened since the last time I'd seen him. He looked defeated. Clark, he said calmly. Clark, hold it together. Just until we get out of here, okay? Just keep it together. I took deep breaths. Xander went back and locked the stall from inside. He then crawled underneath to get out. From this angle, it just looked like someone was puking in the toilet. It sounded like it too. 
Oh, God. Xander put his hands into his pockets and we walked out of the bathroom. I kept my face normal as we took an eternity to walk past everyone at the bar. The door hissed shut behind us and the sound of the city took over. Xander guided me to the right and we walked for a couple of blocks before turning into an alley. The same alley where the girl had been kidnapped, incidentally. Then I lost it. First came the tears, then the sobs. Xander, what the fuck are you doing? I sobbed loudly. We separated, turning to face each other. I pulled at my hair, terrified. He was shaking his head, also tearing up. Clark, I'm sorry. I didn't want you involved in this. I didn't. What have you done? I shouted. Keep it down just a little, Xander said, stepping forward. Xander, I growled angrily. Tell me what's going on. These people aren't fucking around like David King did, Xander said. David King resisted killing. The game was in manipulation. For these guys, it's about seeing what they can get away with. What does that even mean, I asked. David King wasn't working alone, even when he was targeting me, Xander said. Yes, I know about Sophie knowing David, I spat. You may have made Katie slow me down, but I know that at least... I told Katie to lead you away from this because of what those assholes are doing. And what are they doing? Ruining a lot more lives than David King ever did. They're kidnapping people and torturing them. If they pass the test, they learn to become just like David King. They learn how to ruin people's lives and join the team. If they can't pass it, they become prostitutes or slave labor or something else. I know it doesn't sound that horrible, Clark, but I've seen what they're doing to people and it's sick. Xander breathed heavily. He squeezed his eyes shut. It makes me so mad. Xander burst out, turning to kick a dumpster. He lowered his head and clenched his fists. His right hand was still red from the woman's blood. Why did you kill her? I asked. If she knew where Sophie was, why didn't you kill her? I already know where Sophie is now, Xander said, turning back around. I just recently learned that, but I gave her a chance to change her mind. I gave her a chance to live. I'm hunting down every last one of these fuckers because they don't deserve to live, especially Sophie. They've done things to people that you can only imagine. I'm making sure they can never hurt anyone ever again. But you can't be involved with this, Clark. When you started to chase after me when I went missing, I had to keep you away. You found the house while I was there, so I left the hard drive, police reports, and my phone there for you to find. I hoped they would distract you from really looking for me. I hoped that all that information would keep you too busy reading to come find me. I told Katie to keep you behind me until I could finish these bastards off. Now they've pulled you in to get to me. You've manipulated me, I shouted. That's nothing compared to what could happen to you now, Clark. I need you to go underground again, just like with David King, but further. There was silence between us. He watched me carefully. Xander, I'm really pissed off at you, I said quietly. I know that, Clark, but I... Let me finish, I interrupted. I saved your life. I fought David King with you. I went under the radar, moved around, laid low, hid from everyone, set traps, and goddammit, I took a bullet for you. I don't care how horrible and sick these people are. You don't get to decide for me. You don't get to decide whether I jump in and help you or not. You tell the truth and then I decide. What David King did is child's played compared to them, Clark. I don't care, I said, the truth, and then I make my own decision. Xander hesitated. Fine, he said. 
fine. First, read the hard drive. You haven't seen it yet. Go home, read what's on it, then make your decision. Why can't you just tell me, Sander? I ranted. Because you need to see the scope of what they've done. Give me my phone, he said. I hesitated, but handed his phone to him. He typed in his new number and saved it. He also saved the password to the hard drive as a draft text and handed it back to me. Call me when you've made your choice. I expect you to want out. I expect to want in, I retorted. Go he said, then turned and walked towards the exit at the other end of the alley. He raised the hood on his jacket as he turned right at the adjoining street. I took deep breaths and tried to calm down. What the hell has happened to Xander Jones? I drove home very distracted. The knife plunging into the woman's neck kept popping into my mind. Xander's now weak and fasted too. It took an hour longer than usual to get home. I walked inside to find it empty. My mom had left a note on the table. Working late tonight. Dinner is on the fridge. Love, Mom. The microwave heated my broccoli and cheese casserole while I booted the computer that contained David's hard drive. Black screen appeared, asking for a password. Knight versus Dragon, I typed, referencing Xander's phone. The computer hummed and began the boot process. I set the phone on the desk while I walked over to pull my food out. I took a bite and sat back down to start my search in the My Document folder. That's when Xander's phone pinged a new account, 50PH13, written out that looks like Sophie. Sophie, where is mom? I dropped my fork. Everything began to spin. I ran to the counter, snatching up the note. There it was. The O's in working had a line through it. No. It was a code we had established as part of our security routine. Any note left under duress would have a line through the first word that contained an O or a zero. No, no, no. I called Xander. He didn't answer. I grabbed the casserole dish and hurled it at the wall. The glass container shattered, spreading casserole everywhere and making a dull ring fill in the apartment. God damn it, Xander. I gripped the side of the kitchen counter with my unslung arm, wanting to rip it apart. In anger, the phone pinged another message. Sophie, where's Xander? Thank you all for following along as I've tried to find Xander in these last posts. Thank you for your support, your encouragement, and your suggestions. This could very well be my last post. This could be the last thing I do before I die. I'm turning myself over to them tonight. There's no hope. There's no chance. All I can hope for is that they'll release my mom if I do what they say. All I can do is trust Xander. You may have noticed that the first post started out covering each day, but then I was unable to keep up with the current day's events. I came home to find my mom missing on July 26th. It's now been three days. I spent the whole time hiding a couple towns away in case they come to my home for me. During that time, I've read David King's hard drive. That's how I know we're fucked. Let me fill you in as quickly as possible. I have to leave soon. I called Xander a million times after getting that last message. It took him so long to call me back an entire day. So I read. I read all day and night on the 27th. I found entire databases on all of us. All of us. Katie, Xander, me, Ivan, our parents, everyone. And there was also one on Sophie, Jack, and Craig. I guess that's how Xander found their names to request their police reports. There aren't just entries on us. There's entries on Detective Hernandez, his colleagues, his boss, the public defender's office, the prosecutor's office, and others. The databases contained everything. 
our social security numbers, birthdays, routines, past relationships, copies of our entire social media profiles, almost everything you could think of. David knew us. He knew us inside and out. The worst part isn't that these databases exist. It's who wrote them. Each observation, in fact, is initialed. DK is a common initial, David King. But so is SA and JH, Sophie Atkinson and Jack Hemsey, and four others, JN, MT, LR, and PW, which means that Sophie knows us as well, if not better than David did. How could they know so much about all of us? Why would they devote that much time and energy? Why? David's file on Sophie, Jack, and Craig they were written solely by him. I can assume that it was written only for personal use. So far as David's file is correct, this is what I've learned about Sophie. It isn't completely clear how they met, but it was obviously a sexual relationship. They met up repeatedly. David would tell her about his Xander problem and she would offer suggestions. David's analysis of her stated that she was very similar to him in some ways, but drastically different in others. They were both cold people who got bored with life easily without a challenge. Sophie has less of a moral compass than David, according to him. Sophie is more of a risk taker, while David was a risk calculator. The more risk and chance of getting caught, the more excitement Sophie gets from it. David enjoyed the careful planning and meticulous calculations. He recognized their differences. She confided in him that she'd been abused and molested by her father while she'd grown up. When her father had come to her bed on the night of her 16th birthday, she stabbed him with a kitchen knife that she kept in her room that night. Sophie got away with the murder by sneaking pieces of her father's body out of the house in her backpack that night, one by one. She hid the pieces far away and the body was never found. Her mother was devastated, but the police never found out what happened to him. She told David that it was the most exciting night of her life. An inexperienced 16-year-old girl murdering her father and trying to get away with it all in one night? Thrilling. Because of her history, she firmly believed that horrible events make people strong and capable. The weak cower in the face of horrible events while others become their best selves. This rang true with David and he agreed with her. Before meeting David, she had already decided to personally make as many people into their best selves as possible. Sophie told him that she mugged people during her weekends. She loved to see them fight back, hoping that her actions would make them better in the long run, but she wished she could see the fruits of her labors. She fully supported what David was doing to Xander. She believed the same as David, that he was making Xander into a better person by making him fight. When David began to grow bored of Xander because he wasn't fighting back, she brought home Jack. Jack was someone he wanted to ruin, and Sophie convinced David to help him as a side project. In a matter of weeks, Jack's enemy was in jail. David was satiated. Jack was pleased. Sophie was ecstatic. So Sophie brought home another and another, and then she started kidnapping. Behind David's back, she kidnapped people and locked them in custom basements that she had made with help of her new friends. Jack and the others all felt like they were their best selves while helping Sophie. They all wanted to make others the same way, so they began to torture people. The worse they were treated, the better they thought the person would turn out, and for some, it actually worked. For others, they failed and were pushed into prostitution or forced labor. David found out secretly about their activities, but didn't reveal anything to them. Instead, he did something I don't completely understand. He messaged the FBI. 
He began feeding them tips in exchange for access to some of their databases. The tips were small enough to keep them away from Sophie, but juicy enough for the FBI to arrest a few of Sophie's friends. He doesn't mention what data he was accessing. That fact confuses me. Whose side was David King on? Was he just using Sophie for information, or did he actually want to stop her without revealing it was him? That's when the data on the hard drive ends. I assume David had an updated version on another computer after the hard drive was stolen, but this data is enough to tell me how fucked up Sophie is and how small the chances that we'll ever survive this. Xander finally called me back yesterday morning. He didn't have any good news. He had been planning and spying on where they were, trying to figure out the best way to get my mom out. And that was when he'd seen his own parents. Sophie had kidnapped them too. Xander was calling to tell me that he was on his way over there to turn himself in. It's his best shot at getting everyone out alive, he said. He asked me not to tell Katie, but he was telling me in case it didn't work. If he didn't contact me in a day, he was going to the FBI and give them David's hard drive. The stubborn asshole refused to tell me where they were in case you try anything without thinking. Only a few hours after the conversation with Xander, I received a new message. Sophie, where is Clark? The license plate told me nothing. No one at the DMV would tell me anything about who owned the dark green Honda with the license plate. It was futile. Xander might have been able to do something with it, but I was stuck hanging up in defeat. I still can't figure out what the apps on Xander's phone are. I've turned them off, but kept moving just in case they were tracking apps like some of you suggested. There's still so much I don't know, and that contributes to my depression and hopelessness. Xander had resisted telling me their location in case I tried anything without thinking. Well, I've thought about it a lot. I also listened to what you all had to say. Finding Jackson was so easy. He was staying at our apartment still. I wasn't sure if he knew where Sophie was when I first attacked him. Seeing him at the warehouse as a coroner was too much of a coincidence, so I hoped he really was in on the plot. He was. The bastard. I pretended to be as insane as Xander and even brought a knife with me. Jackson believed my character. He had a few broken fingers by the time I got what I needed, but he'll live. I couldn't kill him though. I only left a couple hours ago. He'll have told them by now that I asked for the address. They'll expect me. In fact, it's probably a trap. I'm going in after Xander. It's only been a day, but I'm going in. I tried to trust Xander. I really did, but I can't rely on him to get my mom out. And with Hernandez under Sophie's oppressive thumb, I can't turn to the police either. I saw it in his file. They have a massive target painted on his daughter's back and he knows it. I don't blame him. Even the other officers have notes on them for leverage points. I can't trust any of them. I can't trust anyone. I don't know what else to do. We are now in the present, everyone. I'm numb, defeated, and oppressed. No matter what I've done, I've been dragged inevitably to this point. If I resist, they'll hurt my mom. You guys have been sitting and hoping for some big reveal. I know you've been hoping that this is all one big elaborate trap, but it isn't. I have no plan. I'm just a regular guy who happened to get wrapped up in David King's mess. I'm a bystander. I tried to be Xander and come up with some plan, but I have nothing. And seeing what Xander has become, it terrifies me to even attempt to become him. I've done what I can, but I'm not Xander Jones. I'm Clark Ulysses. 
I've sent a copy of the hard drive to the local FBI office, left a voicemail for Katie, and I'm standing at the edge of the tree line near the old church they've purchased and holed up in. I brought Xander's phone and the hard drive with me in case they hurt my mom to get me to bring it. Anything to keep her from getting hurt, all that's left now is to press the mitt and walk over. The guards will see me, and it'll be too late to turn back. If this is the end, goodbye, Reddit. You've been great friends. Part 6 I couldn't leave you all on such a cliffhanger. Clark lacks the suspense in his writing that Xander was able to leverage. His cliffhangers are lackluster. Allow me to intervene. Let me tell you the story of David fucking King, as you all so vehemently call him. David knew from an early age that he was different. That he was better than most people. His peers were concerned with sports and other useless activities, while David learned how people worked. He learned how to manipulate people early on, and it served him well with his whole life. He also enjoyed control. Control was everything to him. That's why manipulation served him so well. His parents didn't approve of his favorite activities. He loved to design traps. He told me once that traps were all based on behavior and that trap making was a natural extension of his core ability to understand motivations and manipulate them. They brought him to a psychologist who analyzed him for some time. The psychologist, of course, became scared of David. Since the psychologist was trained to see signs of manipulation, David had a hard time controlling him. So he killed him. It was David's first real kill. He admitted once to me that he regretted killing a psychologist. David wished that he had tried harder to manipulate the one person in his life who refused to comply. He wished he had let the psychologist challenge him. Instead, he took the easy route. I of course applaud David for killing him. The man would have committed David to an institution forever the moment he had the chance. He'd already tried to hold him in confinement once, but David manipulated his way out of that trap. If he hadn't killed a psychologist, he might never have met me. If I attached labels to my emotions, I suppose I did love David King, not in an I want a stable future with you way, but as a type of adoration. I'm a manipulator myself, and meeting someone who was able to manipulate me was thrilling. He had me spinning around doing tricks for him without me even realizing it. David truly was a master at his craft. We met after the dare with Xander began. He talked about it with some regularity, and I offered suggestions. And after only a short while, however, he stopped talking about Xander. I asked him about it, and he said the exercise was boring him because Xander refused to fight back. He guessed that Xander had even forgotten about their dare and chalked his small misfortunes up to bad luck. He had things planned, but they were dependent on Xander trying to fight back. I made some suggestions, but nothing seemed to cheer him up. That's when I brought home Jack Hemsey. We weren't living together, but he came to my house with some regularity. Who's this? He asked when he came to my home after work one day. Your new student. I laughed, guiding Jack over to him. Jack here is dying to learn your craft. My craft, David said dubiously. 
Yes, darling, he wants to learn how to ruin people's lives. It seems he has an enemy that he really despises. I met him online, and I think you could teach him how to take care of his problem. David reluctantly heard the boy out. Jack was timid, and he acted like a young boy. Within only a month, Jack's enemy was in prison, with enough evidence to convict him when the trial came around. I could see in David's face that he enjoyed that challenge. Jack did, too. They bonded so well over it. Jack became confident and outspoken. David supported him. It was similar to a father-son relationship despite their close ages. I was feeling pleased as I watched them ruin Jack's enemy. Going back online, I searched for someone else who might be in Jack's same predicament. I brought home Walker one day, and Jack didn't like him. He didn't trust Walker at all. After only a couple of days, Walker tried to leave and go to the authorities after we disclosed our activities to him. Jack killed him through a lengthy struggle. It was sloppy, unfortunately. So sloppy that I called David. He was livid. He helped clean it up and dispose of the body, but he was very angry and shouted incessantly at me for the mistake I had made. I accepted my punishment willingly. I deserved it. I had been careless. Only a couple weeks later, I was at my favorite bar, the bar where David and I had met, when I stumbled upon Craig Munson. Craig had been in and out of incarceration his entire adult life. His large stature didn't get him very many points when interviewing for a job. He often resorted to stealing to support himself. I brought him home and immediately called David over for an analysis. What the hell are you planning to do with him? David had shouted. Teach him to succeed. Give him a minimum required effort to the point that he's useful to us in our operation. Us, David cried. We don't have anything. There's no operation. Jack and his problems were a side project, a hobby. Well, you've not had a crack at your hobby for a long time. It's affecting you, I can tell. I cooed. He shoved me away, but he knew I was right, even if he didn't admit it. He began to train with Craig and Jack to keep himself sharp. I began to find new targets. A little less than a year later, we had our... Well, I suppose family is an appropriate word. Me, David, Craig, Jack, and many others. We did everything together and learned how to take care of ourselves and maintain the right minimum effort as David taught. David was involved, but not completely. He helped us here and there with covering up our activities, but I took command. I was, and still am, their leader. Each of them used to have enemies. Each of them had worked one-on-one -on -one with David to ruin their enemies. These activities got us into trouble on more than one occasion, but it was nothing we couldn't weasel out of. Sometimes we'd taken too much risk, but things would take care of themselves. After some time had passed, all of our individual enemies were either dead or imprisoned, except for one, Xander Jones. And David recognized that. He pushed everyone away and began to really crack down on Xander. And you all know how much David ruined Xander's life. Unfortunately, David wanted to take things slowly with Xander. I pushed him constantly, making him accelerate plans. We had our own family to look after and a business to build. Xander couldn't be a multi-year project. It had to be over quickly. That's why I kidnapped Katie. David was very angry when we did it without telling him. He stormed over to our holding location for new victims and hit me. After some convincing, he relented and integrated it into his plan, but he was angry that we had forced him to accelerate. David was trying to savor the dare too much. 
He didn't care what happened to the girl, so long as we kept her alive and healthy enough for future use. We took good enough care of her. Once Sander was arrested, I tried to assure David that his mark was down. I tried to convince him that this contest with Xander was finished, just like all the others, but he couldn't let go, and in a move that was so idiotic and careless that I'm embarrassed to recount it, he broke Xander out. But I didn't vocalize my criticisms, because he was David King. We ruined four more enemies while Xander was on the run for that year. Each one was carefully plotted out to eliminate exposure and risk at David's request, especially since David himself had to go on the run. Despite the small risk, he received the hobby very well. During David's time on the run, he refused to see me or the others directly. He used Jack as an intermediary to pass information. He demanded to be left alone, and we obliged. He created us, after all. We started our own preparations to get David underground and keep him safe, and then Xander started to post. And David got excited. David got too excited. He began to fantasize about continuing to ruin Xander's life. All the things he could do, all the extravagant traps he could build and set into motion. I had to step in. I confronted him, disregarding the consequences. Through Jack, I told him to ignore Xander and focus on our more important pressing problems. He shouted at Jack to send a message back to me. He said it was not my concern and that I should stay focused on the business rather than interfere with his personal affairs. Up to that point, we'd been raising a profitable venture into human trafficking, another way to ruin people's lives, another way to design traps and execute well-designed plans. The thrill was constant, and it fulfilled our appetites, but David King would not be satiated until he had ruined Xander Jones. When Xander called David out, Jack told him to ignore Xander. David refused. I told him he had to kill Xander if he couldn't stand to just ignore him. He reluctantly agreed. We plucked Katie out from our personal collection and David took Jack with him to the meeting with Xander. When Jackson came home after sneaking into the warehouse and verified that David and Jack truly were dead, we all grieved. I grieved for Jack more than for David. I don't know why David killed Jack. Jack was like a son to him. I'm sure of it. Maybe he did it to provoke Sander. Maybe he did it in the moment of overexcitement. Either way, I hate him for it. I hate you, David. You killed one of our greatest creations. Fuck you, David King. Now that David is gone, I intend to finish Xander like David often fantasized. Not out of respect for David. Not out of hatred for Xander either, but out of respect for what David and I have built. Without David, I wouldn't have everything I ever wanted. Without Xander, I wouldn't have my family. I wouldn't have these creations who I can rely on for anything and everything. Clark was the obvious choice for Xander's new opponent. At first, I was worried he wasn't trained enough, but... When he killed Craig in that car accident and took care of Mandy at the bar, I became satisfied with his capabilities. Of course, he won't be willing to play without the proper motivation, his mother. Knowing Xander, he will probably offer up his own life so Clark and his parents can live. That's why I've asked someone to pick up Xander's parents too. I'd use Katie, but I don't think that would motivate him enough. His parents are innocent, Katie isn't. As for Katie, 
We'll find her and bring her back to my personal collection. She's a fighter. I'll train her and mold her into a new creation just like the others. She's halfway there already. And now we have come full circle. Best friend pitted against best friend to the death this time. I've given Xander a miserable night's rest, while Clark had a relatively easy night yesterday. I need them to be evenly matched for fairness. Once Leo gets here with Xander, everything will be finished. Only one will join our collection and become profitable for us. Nothing short of death wins. Whoever wins gets to decide whose parents go free. This ought to be exciting. Don't expect there to be an update. I hope you've enjoyed the show, Reddit. I know I have. Signed, Sophie. Alrighty, so that was part three. One more part to go. I hope you tune in next week to listen in and see how this saga ends. Alright everyone, bye!